So we're starting a brand new sermon series. It's called All In. It's actually our theme for 2021, for the entire church is All In. Mark Batterson is the lead pastor of National Community Church in Washington, D.C., and he is he has written a book called All In. He's also the author of the New York Times bestseller called The Circle Maker. You may have seen it or, or heard of that. And his book All In is one of the sources of study on this sermon series. So if by chance you come across that book, I'd highly suggest that you pick up a copy and read through it this month. It's going to, it's, it's going to follow us along in this sermon series really, really well. And then come to Monday Night Small Group and let's talk things over. Let's have a discussion about going all in. Dietrich Bonhoeffer did not live to see his 40th birthday. He was arrested in 1943 by the special Nazi forces, and he was executed by hanging in a Nazi concentration camp two years later in 1945. His life ended only three weeks before the end of World War II. Why is it that Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who is a German, but a German Lutheran pastor, why is it that he was imprisoned and then executed two years later by the Germans? Well, the answer is simply because Dietrich Bonhoeffer was all in for Jesus no matter what. See, he had seen the evil that Hitler was bringing into the world, as, and, and he stood in opposition. And he, he joined this resistance movement because of his faith in Jesus. He refused to stay idle while Jewish men and women and children were being persecuted and executed. His faith called him to a very dangerous and a very costly action. Dietrich Bonhoeffer went all in for the all in all, and it cost him everything. He wrote a book called The Cost of Discipleship. It's a book that every seminary student is going to read at some point, and he calls people to follow Jesus regardless of the consequences, no matter what the cost. And before he was 40 years old, he was able to personally put his writings into practice in his own life to follow Jesus regardless of the consequences, and he did that, and it cost him his own life. That is going all in. I wonder, how far are you willing to go for Jesus? Here's maybe a better question. How far are you willing to go with Jesus? Some people will say, you know what, I'm, I'm willing to go anywhere for Jesus. But that's until anywhere becomes uncomfortable. You might say, you know what, I'm willing to go anywhere with Jesus because with Jesus, now life is comfortable. Jesus didn't call us 
to live a life of comfort. He didn't, live us, uh, he didn't call us to go where it's safe. He called us to a life of obedience. Sometimes we say things like, or maybe we sing songs like, I have decided to follow Jesus. I wonder if sometimes we mean, I have decided to let Jesus follow me. I have decided to partner with Jesus and, and let us both work together. Are we simply willing to follow Jesus when he takes us places that we are already willing to go? One of the most popular childhood elementary school games that's simply called Follow the Leader, right? In elementary school, Every kid wants to be the line leader. Kids raise their hand. They get excited when they know that next week, it's their week to be the line leader. And what happens is one kid gets in the front of the line and there's 19 kids behind them. The kids walk the same route every day to get to the classroom. And so the leader knows the expectations and all the kids behind the leader know the expectations. The leader's just going to walk from the playground to the classroom, and everyone's going to follow. But what happens as soon as that leader gets off of the path that all of the other students are familiar with? Well, what happens then is if the leader starts wandering into the bushes, you're going to have children behind that leader who are now just going to, to scatter because they're not quite sure where the leader's going. They know that the classroom's over there. They don't know where the leader's going, so they're going to come off of that path. That seems to happen to us in our faith sometimes. Is that we tell Jesus, I'm willing to follow you as long as I know where it is that you're going. Or maybe we tell Jesus, I'm willing to follow you un until. Until obedience becomes more than I'm willing to give. Or I'm willing to, to follow you and, and, until you ask me to become the spiritual leader of my family. Or until you're asking me for more finance that I feel comfortable giving. Well, see, when we tell Jesus that we are willing to follow him until, what that means is that we are not all in. In the Old Testament, one of the most famous prophets is a man by the name of Elijah. And there was a moment when he was told by God to go and identify and recruit his replacement. I want you to watch this amazing all-in moment. Follow me. We are in the book of 1 Kings. This is going to be up on your screen. 1 Kings, I'm in verse number 19. So Elijah went and found Elisha, son of uh, Sophet. He was plowing a field, and there were 12 teams of oxen in the field. And Elijah was plowing with the twelfth team. Elijah went over to him, and he threw his cloak across the shoulders of Elijah, and then he walked away. Elisha left the oxen standing there, ran to Elijah, and he said to him, Let me first go and kiss my father and my mother goodbye, and then I will go with you. And Elijah replied, Go on back, but think about what I have done to you. So, watch this, verse number 21. So, Elijah 
returned to his oxen and slaughtered them. He used the wood from the plow to build a fire to roast their flesh. He passed around the meat to the townspeople and they ate. And then he went to Elijah as his assistant. Let me tell you what this means. Elijah's livelihood was tied to his agricultural roots. When Elijah, the prophet, comes and he puts his cloak over Elijah, the new assistant, this is like a ceremonial cloth. It's something that the prophets would wear. You would recognize the prophet by what he's wearing. And he comes and he puts this mantle or this cloth over Elijah. And Elijah says, you know what, let me, let me go and say, say goodbye to my mom and my dad. Elijah says, okay, just remember what I've done, how important that is. And look what he does. This is in verse number 21. So Elijah returned to his oxen, and he slaughtered them, and he used the wood from the plow to build a fire and to roast their flesh. To Elijah, his plow and his ox were everything. It was the way that he made money. It was his job. It was his livelihood. When he turned to follow, he literally went all in because he destroyed everything that he needed to continue living life secure and safe the way that he had been living life. He killed his ox. He burnt his plow and he went all in. Here's the first point in your notes this morning. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down because we're going to talk about this in small group Bible study tomorrow evening. Here's the first point. Going all in requires change. Let's not fool ourselves. Let's not fool ourselves and tell ourselves that we are already all in for Christ. Even the deepest, even those who are the most mature in their faith might be probably are holding something back. There's many people in our world who consider all in and good enough to be exactly the same thing. What if you're putting air in your tires and you put that nozzle thingy on the tire thingy and you just kind of pulled that air trigger and you counted to 10. You just said, you know what, 10 seconds, eight, nine, ten, and you said, okay, well, you know what, that's good enough. It's enough air in that tire. You think that would be safe? Or what about this? You get onto, you, get, you head to the airport and you get onto the airlines and as you're walking towards your seat, you see a certificate on the wall that says, the maintenance check on this airplane is certified good enough. Maybe, maybe you go and see a doctor. And the diploma on that doctor's wall simply says, good enough. I wonder if your friends and family and your coworkers, if they look at you as a Christian who is all in, or if they look at you as a Christian who is good enough. See, anyone can go halfway in, and a lot of people do. Anyone can go and can take a couple of steps into faith, a couple of steps into the church and look around and say, okay, I'm here, that's good enough, and then turn and walk back to the car. And some people do, and a lot of people do. It takes somebody special. It takes somebody else to go all in. 
What is it that keeps you from going all in for Jesus? Maybe it's work. Maybe it's a career. Maybe it's prestige. Maybe it's mom and dad. Maybe it's family. Maybe it's holding on to that tough man persona. Or maybe it's not taking on that Bible thumper persona. In Matthew chapter 4, Jesus had an interaction with four different men, and each of them had to look forward where they could see nothing, and they had to look backward where they could see everything, and they had to make a decision, and they made a decision on the spot. Come with me to Matthew chapter 4. We're in verse number 18. This will be up on the screen for you. And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon, called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and they followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in a boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. And he called them, and immediately they left their boat and, and their father, and they followed him. All four men, Peter, Andrew, James, and John, they're all fishermen. That's what they did for a living. But let's look at what else they are. They're also sons. They had a mother. We know they have a father. They probably have brothers. They have sisters. Maybe grandma even lived with them. It's pretty common in our culture, right? They were professionals. They had a job. Maybe they had 15 years experience as fishermen. That probably means that they had some experience in sales. They had some experience in, in the weight. Uh, they knew the finance that goes into their business. They knew the prices of the fish. Chances are they might have had part ownership in the business. Maybe they, they had, had to help their dad in raise money to buy the boat. Those nets, those weren't free. Those cost money too. There was an investment that they had made for quite a while in their career and in their family business. A lot of sweat and hard work went into getting their business in a position where it could support the family. They might have even been mentors. Maybe there were other fishermen who kept their eyes on James and John and Peter and Andrew, others who looked up to them. They had homes. Maybe they, maybe they lived with other family in their homes, but they probably had a cot to sleep on every night. They knew when they left the shores where they were going to go and where they were going to sleep. They probably knew where their next meal was coming from because they had earned the money to buy their next meal. They probably had warmth and they had a place to bathe. Maybe they had friends that they hung out with on Friday nights once they got off work and put the, the boat in the docks and put the nets away. They just went into town. Maybe there were some special ladies in town that they had their eyes on. I don't know. But they had a life. But when Jesus came to the edge of the water and he looked at these men and he simply said, follow me, everything that they knew in their safe life would have gone through their head right away, would have gone through their mind. It would have been a good time to come up with an excuse and say something like, Jesus, I can't, I can't, go, I can't go all in right now because, look, my dad needs me. The business needs me. 
My mom needs me. I need to give attention to my family. It may have good, been a good time for an excuse to say, you know, Jesus, I, I really don't know where you're going. I don't know. I don't know anything about fishing for men. I know about catching actual fish, so I'm going to stick to that, and for that reason, I'm out. You know what James, John, Peter, and Andrew lost when they put down their nets to follow Jesus? You know what they lost? Everything. Nothing that they knew was going with them. And everything that they didn't know was waiting for them. They gave it all up. Some might say that they threw in the towel. Some might say that they quit, that they walked out on their life. They walked away from it all. They didn't even give their dad a two-week notice to go and find replacement employees. Their dad lost the, the best employees in the family business like that. They quit their own life, and they quit following their own path to literally connect their lives to the life of our Lord and to follow His path. What is it? What is it that is holding you back from going all in? Is it maybe the fear of the unknown? People will say, Pastor, I, I fear, I really do fear being obedient to the tithe because I don't know if I'm going to be able to, to, to make it through the rest of the month if I, if I give my first 10% to the church as soon as I get paid. Is it a fear of rejection? Maybe you say, well, pastor, if I, start, if I start walking around with my Bible, people are going to start looking at me differently, and my family expects me. You know, I was raised in another church, and they expect me to, to hold on really tightly to these traditions. And, you know, I went to church with grandma growing up. She's going to be really ashamed if she finds out that, that I am all in to following Jesus. I know that. See, here's the thing. You can't go all in without change. You can't even go any further in with Jesus than you already are without change. Even if you want to go one more step, into your faith. One more step deeper. You cannot go another step without change. I would argue that things are going to change for the better, but you'll never know until you actually take that step. And you say, well, pastor, I don't, I don't know if I, can, if I can take that step because I don't, I don't trust that. I just don't know if, you know, what if I don't? Here's the thing, it's not me. It's not me, your pastor, that you need to trust. It's Jesus that you need to trust. Let me ask you something. Has God ever lied to you? Look around your life. Look around the people in your life, family, friends, coworkers, even those who are the closest to us may have lied to us but still we will send the kids to their house for the weekend. 
still will we will spend time with them in our off time. Still, we will come to kind of get past that moment where things weren't well and we'll continue to build a, a relationship with them, even though we know that we have been lied to in the past. But when it comes to God, why do we have trouble with trust and faith when He has never lied to us? Going all in is not simply taking the next step, but rather right now it is taking all of the steps. Look at what Jesus tells his disciples in Matthew chapter 16. I'm in verse number 24. It'll be up on your screen in a moment. Jesus said to his disciples, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross, and follow me. If you try and hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. What do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? Here's a second point. Write this down. We're going to talk about this tomorrow evening as well. You cannot go all in and take your stuff. Jesus says that you're going to give up something. You're going to give up your own way. You might give up your own home. The disciples did. You might give up your own opinions. You might give up your own self-made beliefs. You might give up your own tie to culture and culture's beliefs. You might give up your own identity. That's big. Especially in our world, people like to hold on to their own identity that that they've created for themselves or that slot in society that they've put themselves in. You can't do that when you're a follower of Jesus because if you are holding on to your own identity, that means that your hand is empty of his identity. You think that's bad, giving up your own identity. It gets worse. Not only are you going to have to give up your identity, but... Do you know what Jesus means when he says to take up your cross? Everyone in the region at that time knew what Jesus was saying when he says take up your cross. I don't want you to get the impression that we're talking about a little medallion cross on a necklace that, or, or maybe a cross that's hanging off of your rearview mirror. No, wooden crosses were what the Romans used for capital punishment. It is what the Romans used to literally kill people. Jesus was far from the first person to die on a cross. Criminals would, through the streets, carry their own cross on their back, and they would be forced to walk to the outside the city gates by a guard with a sword, dragging a wooden cross, their own execution mechanism, And the Romans would forcibly grab their hands and just hammer nails through their flesh into this piece of wood behind their hand, and they would hoist them up in the air, and criminals would would simply hang there praying for death. And Jesus tells us, if you want to follow me, pick up your cross. Because that's what's coming next. He's not saying that 
there's going to be a physical death. He's saying, but you, as people know you, needs to die so that I can be known through you. He says, who you are, or who you think you are, or who society thinks that you are, that has to die for my sake. Far too many people look at their own life and they get caught up in the idea of, of what they're going to lose by following Christ instead of being joyful about what is in, all in, that they are going to gain. That was a mindset, this idea of what am I going to lose. This is a mindset of a man who had a conversation with Jesus. We read this conversation in Mark chapter 10. As he was setting out on a journey, as Jesus was setting out on a journey, a man ran up to him and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher! What shall I do so that I may inherit eternal life? Jesus says, you know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not give false testimony. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. And he said to him, teacher, I have kept all of these things from my youth. Looking at him, Jesus showed him love and said to him, one thing you lack. Go and sell all of your possessions and give to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven. And then come Follow me. Verse number 22, but he was deeply dismayed by these words because, or he was deeply dismayed by these words, and he went away grieving, for he was one who owned much property. How can you go all in? How can we go all in with Christ and bring all of our stuff with us? How can we go all in for Christ, but only stay halfway in for ourselves? How can we go kind of all in, or try and go all in, but hold back halfway? How can we say that we're going to go all in for Jesus, but we're going to give him only 2 or 3% of our time, our talents, our treasure, how can we go all in for Jesus if we are only willing to give him a little? If we are only willing to give him some? If we are only willing to give him <clears throat> most? Some people say, well, I give God most. Well, see, God never asked for a little. He never asked for some, and he never asked for most. He asks for it all. He asks for us to go all in. During the ministry of John, John the Baptist, John's disciples at one point, while John was baptizing people in the Jordan River, some of John's disciples had come up to him, and they asked John about Jesus. Jesus was just across the way, baptizing people himself. And this, John's disciples were looking at it kind of as a competition. They, they thought, you know what, we're, wow, we're losing business to, to Jesus over here. And I want you to see what John the Baptist says to them. We're in John chapter 3, verse number 26. And they came to John and they said to him, Rabbi, he who is with you beyond the Jordan, to whom you have testified, behold, he is baptizing 
and all the people are coming to him. Verse 29, John says this, So this joy of mine has been made full, verse 30, He must increase, but I must decrease. Here's the third point in your notes this morning. When we increase, we force Jesus to decrease. I'm going to say that again. When we increase, we force Jesus to decrease. We live in a world that is dominated by internet and social media culture, and, and there's a prized title in our world today. This title of an influencer. Maybe a social media influencer or a cultural influencer. A, a digital influencer is, is somebody who has built a reputation for their knowledge or their expertise in a certain area. And, and they have large followings of people who are engaged with whatever they post or whatever they say. People who will follow them will give them money, will follow their views. Some internet celebrities acquire their, their fame from global audiences. They're people who you never would have heard about before. They draw sponsorships for their own brands. They say that internet celebrities function these days almost like lifestyle gurus promoting a, a, a specific lifestyle. Some people become such crucial influencers that they multiply audiences in maybe areas of, of fashion and beauty and technology and entertainment and politics and gaming, music. But I want you to remember this. When we increase, we force Jesus to decrease. That's not what John is saying. John is saying, I must decrease so that Jesus can increase. I wonder when people look at you, whose name do they know? John the Baptist said, I must decrease so that he can increase. He's literally saying that the amount of people who come to me to be baptized, and John's been doing this for a while, that's what he's known for. He's known for baptizing people in the Jordan. The amount of people who come to me to be baptized needs to start dwindling down so that the amount of people that go to Jesus to be baptized can start growing. I would bet that if John the Baptist would have been able to continue baptizing people in the the Jordan River, across from where Jesus was baptizing people, there would have been a point when John would shut up his shop, shut his doors, stand on the river's edge, and literally point people to Jesus. Say, go over there. That's where Jesus is. He's the one that you want baptizing you. Go to Jesus. Who are you pointing people to? Now, sometimes we might say, well, I'm not pointing people to myself, but maybe it's not that I'm pointing people to, to Jesus. I'm not pointing them to myself, so you know what? But maybe, maybe I'm, that's not all that bad, right? Well, I'll say that's half the battle. Not pointing people to yourself, that's a good start, but not pointing people to Jesus is certainly a terrible finish. Some people will say, well, pastor, I've, 
I just haven't made that decision to go all in yet. I love Jesus, but I just haven't taken that next step, and, and I know I'm going to get to it. I've told myself this, that this new year, I'm going to start reading my Bible more. As a matter of fact, I said at the beginning of the year, it was a New Year's resolution that I was going to read my Bible every day, and I'm three days in, and I've got some catching up to do already, right? Let me tell you something. Indecision is a decision, and inaction is action. Have you become somebody that has been, become really good at not making a decision to make a decision? Have you become somebody who has become really good at not taking action on taking action? I'm not here today to ask you to take the next step in your faith and the next step with Jesus. I'm here today to bring up a very, very bold idea. And that's asking you today to take all the steps, to go all in and leave nothing behind. Here's the final point in your notes this morning. We're going to talk about this tomorrow evening too. Going all in requires us to recognize areas in our life where we are still holding out. See, you can't go all in and hold back at the same time. Jesus never asked you to hold something back. I'm not asking you to hold back today. I'm asking you to make a commitment not to take the next steps, but to take all of the steps. Not to go one more inch towards the cross, but to pick up your cross. Not to give God some, but to give God all. I'm going to ask you this question. What percentage of your everyday life is led by Jesus? I'm going to read a list here in a minute of just different areas in your life that we all have to manage through. This list is going to be up on the screen. And I'm going to ask you to... Look at these areas of life and just ask yourself, what percentage of these areas of my life are led by Jesus? The question is not how much Jesus is in these. How, what percentage of these is led by Jesus? What about your relationship with mom and dad? Maybe family. What about finance? Work your hobbies, what you're reading, maybe your education, your free time, your financial stewardship. What about your leadership? What percentage of your leadership is led by Jesus? What about your parenting? What about your church life? What percentage of your forgiveness and grace is led by Jesus? What about your life stages? fatherhood, motherhood? What about your friendships? What percentage of your companionships, your relationships with people is led by Jesus? Uh, what about your marriage? Maybe your dating life if you're not married. 
Respecting authority. What percentage of your respect for authority is led by Jesus? Praying for leaders, either in the church, outside the church, in your community. What percentage of your recreation is led by Jesus? What about teaching your kids? What about making your time to listen to God? What percentage of your anger is led by Jesus? Your respect for other people. Maybe your moments of enjoyment. Health and fitness. Yeah, there's content in the Bible about that as well. Family time. Community life. What about your entertainment? Movies. Music. Sex. Social life. Emotions. Your self-esteem. Your planning. What about your savings? What about your learning? What about your creativity? What percentage of these areas of your life are led by Jesus? He doesn't ask us for some. He asks us for all. For the most part, I just read you a very inclusive list of almost every area of your life. There might be a few more that are out there. James and John and Peter and Andrew, they also had all of these areas in their life. You know how many of them they gave up for Jesus? All of them. All of them. They gave up control of all of them. Do you know how many of these that you're going to have to give up control of to Jesus to go all in? Yeah. All of them. Not some. Not half. Not more. Today, I'm asking you to go all in in and hold nothing back. Let's pray. Lord, I want to thank you today for I want to thank you today for this lesson and showing us what it takes to go all in for you. And Lord, I want to I want to come to you today and thank you for everyone here and, and just giving us the opportunity to look at our life and to look at what we've been doing and recognize those areas where we need you to take over completely. Not to take over more, not to take over some, not to just give you a little more, but to give it all to you. Lord, we trust you and we realize that you haven't lied to us. This morning, I pray that you will touch hearts of those here, in the room, those online, and just reach deep into this community. Lord, just reminding us that we can do so many great things through you but to live with you and for you 
It means that we die to self. Lord, when was the last time we came to you and thanked you for the opportunity for us to die to self? I hope that today is that day. Because you're allowing us, you give us the privilege of not living by our own identity anymore, but rather to live by yours. Lord, this morning we pray that you hear our worship. We'll pray that, that you'll just touch our hearts not to look for that next area to give you, but to look for all of the areas and give it all to you. Lord, we don't want to hold anything back this year. 2021, it's the year of going all in for you, holding nothing back. Whether it's time, whether it's our family leadership, whether it's our spiritual walk, whether it's the tithe, it's fully trusting you because you haven't lied to us. If you're here with us this morning, while David plays, I just want you to know that you have a family here, that you have a family in this church and in this online um, congregation. And I want you to know that you could reach out to us at any time, either in the chat room or by email. We are praying for you. You can reach out. There's people in the chat room right now. And simply say, I need, I need prayer. Will you pray with me that I have the strength to let go of this area in my life and give it all to Jesus, not just some. If you're here this morning and you're even looking to take that first step, I want you to know that wherever you are at, your church is here with you. Don't go into tomorrow thinking you're alone until next Sunday. We want to grow with you. We want to grow, grow closer to Christ with you. And we want to go all in together with you. Lord, this morning, hear our prayers. Hear our worship. We love you and we praise you. We pray all this in Jesus' name.